You're listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you'd like to know more about Hope Central or any of our ministries, please visit hopecentral.org.au. Thank you, Simon. Thanks for asking. It's very kind of you. I think uh, I think God wants to talk to us today. It's, the, the pressure is on. Thanks, Matt. But really, I mean, if you've come here to listen to me today, you're in all sorts of trouble. But the Lord, I believe, has given me a word for us all. And uh, so it's going to be a bit different today. It's going to be more of a visual thing. So there's lots of things I want us to be thinking about, the wonder of God, um, we forget it quite often. So, uh, I'm just I, honestly, I'm blown away by the, the singing. If um, Charlotte, if she hasn't read my notes, I'm amazed. Matt, what he was saying. So I, I believe wholeheartedly that God is here today, and He's got a word for us, and it's in season, and we need to hear it. And it's not because of me; it's because of Him. So, I just really want you to prepare your hearts today to listen to what the Spirit of God wants to talk about. And we're talking about wonder. So I want to start by asking you a question. Can you remember the last time that you saw something that you were so overwhelmed with that it blew your mind? The wonder of that thing just changed your life. Can you remember a time or a smell perhaps or, or a sound that takes you back to a place in your childhood perhaps and it was just so full of wonder? But that one smell every day you might smell it or hear something and it reminds you of the goodness of God, and it takes you back and transports you to a place when you were a kid. I know for me, if I'm in a, a park or something like that, and I'm just sitting being quiet, and I hear the buzz of flies or bees, and it's a nice warm spring day, that instantly transport me to back when I lived in Quarton Street in Gawler East. Growing up as a kid, me and my two brothers would jump the fence and go and play in a paddock all day. That smell, the sound, the bees, the flies, the warmth of the sun always transports me back to a place. The wonder of those moments never leave me because of that one thing. I've been reading recently in early childhood learning that kids learn from the things around them, the things they see. At a very young age, the things they look at, the shapes, the colours, the sounds, that's how they start to form the things they learn about and grow up with. Uh, the touch of someone they love, the expression on people's faces, all these things are what goes into growing a child and helping them to, to learn. Now, people, uh, sorry, I'm not going to try and tell you for one second that I understand this deeply and highly educated thing. We could probably ask Charlotte, she'd be able to tell us. But I'm not going to tell you that. But what I realise from this is that we lose our wonder as we get older. As children, we're a wonder of everything. It's a noise. It's just a colour. It's something that crosses our vision and we're in absolute awe of it. We're in wonder of it and we learn from it. And as adults, we have all these other things that come into our life and we lose our sense of wonder and learning from it. In 1956, a woman called Rachel Carson uh, wrote a book called The Sense of Wonder. And in it she said, A child's world is fresh and new and beautiful full of wonder and excitement. It is our misfortune that for most of us, that clear-eyed vision, that true instinct for what is beautiful and is awe-inspiring is dimmed and even lost before real childhood. I should ask that the gift to each child in the world 
to be a sense of wonder so indestructible that it would last throughout life as an unfailing antidote against boredom and disenchantment of later years, the sterile preoccupation with things that are artificial. We get stunned and, and held back because we take in too much of the artificial, and that can be anything from watching too much TV, Netflix, you know, computer games, all these sorts of things that we take in stop the wonder in our lives. It blocks it out. We don't see it anymore. Now, you may not be artificial things. It may be just the day-to-day life gets you down. It's a struggle. And these all block the wonder that God's got for us. And to give you an example of this is in 2001, um, I started going over to the West Coast. Now, I know you all know that you've heard the story, but I used to go to the West Coast fishing. And I remember sitting with my mates with five of us, and we'd been planning the trips. And for years, we'd heard about this mecca of Mulloway fishing over on the West Coast of South Australia, uh, 900 k's away. And we planned this trip and we got, got to go on this day and at 3am we got ready and the cars were already packed and we got in the car. See, my voice is already racing because I'm excited. And we got in the car and we headed off on this adventure, five of us in one car and we went over there and the whole way we were talking about, can you imagine what it's going to be like? Can you imagine the fishing that's going to happen there? Can you imagine? Can, I don't know how many times you said, can you imagine? But the whole thing was about what is it going to be like when we got there? Because we had this sense of wonder and awe of how it was going to be. And, you know, as we turned off the highway 956 k's away to go 30 k's to the beach of Fowler's Bay, the road goes up and down, up and down. And it looks like this. And as we travelled along this road, every time we got to the top of the hill, we were all craning our necks to see what is it going to look like, and then down the next hill, and this, oh. and this went on for 29 k's. Then that final hill, and we all got up the top, and all, and there it is. And that's what we saw. Now, to you, that looks like a dirt road with green trees and sand hills, but to the five blokes in the car who had built this story up in their mind of how awesome this place is, we actually pulled the car over, and we all got out the car, and we stood like this. We were in awe of the 90-foot sun-drenched sand hills that we don't have anywhere here, and we were so excited about it until someone finally said, hey, maybe we should get in the car and head down there. So we got all the way in, and then we chatted and got our gear ready, and we drove. And, you know, this place, I'm not joking, people told us that you can throw a line and a puddle on the ground and you can catch a fish. It is incredible. And then over the other side of those sand dunes is Scott Bay, where you just catch massive salmon. The awe of it was just way too much. 21 years I've been going over to the west coast of South Australia and when I drive down that road now and we get to that final hill and we crane our heads we don't see the sand hill anymore we just drive straight to the cabin rig up, chuck the rods in the back of the car drive over the sand hill, go to Scott's Bay and fish some years we've been in the fishing so bad we thought, why would we travel a thousand k's to come and do this we've lost the wonder the, you know the problem is of course Nothing's changed at Fowler's Bay. Those 90-foot sand hills are still there. They're magnificent. They're still pristine and white. What's changed is me. I've lost the wonder of the place. I just go because it's there. When I first gave my life to Jesus, it was like that. I look for Jesus everywhere. Who remembers first getting saved? How much of a lunatic were you when you got saved? You look for Jesus in everything, didn't you? I look for Jesus in the clouds. I look for him in my coffee. I look for him in my toast or in a, in a puddle on the ground. And, you know, that's the way it's always been for me. I always see God in creation. I see God in things. And it always speaks to me. I remember the session, first session on the beach at Fowler's Bay. And we'd done, done a night session. We'd been fishing and we'd stopped. And me and my 
best mate, Andy. Uh, we lent against, his nickname's Slacky, but I didn't think I'd share that with you. We lent against the bumper bar of my car, and we sat there and looked up. And because Fowler's Bay is in the middle of nothing, there's no light noise anywhere. And as we look up, we saw a galaxy that sat here on our face. And we saw different colours and swirls that I'd never seen in the city. And the wonder of it blew my mind. And I've always seen God in creation. I've seen God in sunsets. I see God in rainstorms. I see God in the mighty Flinders Ranges when we go there. I see God when I was in Varanasi. And when I stood in the slums of Mumbai and saw joy on the people's faces that did have nothing, didn't have anything, yet they had joy. And I could see God in there. And when I stood on the north ridden with Grand Canyon and my breath was completely taken away from me and I stood there crying by myself, I saw the wonder of God. And I know that I've got to keep searching for it because it goes, it's like you don't see those pristine sandhills anymore because they become every day. Come same old, same old, and you have to keep filling up on it. If you suppress the wonder of God, you suppress the truth about God, the greatness of God, the magnificence of God, the beauty of creation that he made for us all to enjoy. If you suppress the wonder of God, you suppress the truth about God. I guess God really wants to say something to us here today because last week, he gave Joe the same scripture. I'll be using it slightly differently, but I just, I thought, yeah, oh, that's my scripture. <laughs> but God obviously wants to reinforce it. It's from Romans 1, 18 to 21. that says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against the ungodliness and unrighteous, unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that that have been made. So they are without excuse, for although they knew God, they did not honour him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. God has created a world of such intricacy and beautiful beauty that we can't help but see it. It's everywhere, it's all around us. When we lose our wonder, we stifle the truth and harden the hearts towards him, and that's a real worry. We need to be searching the whole time. I can't remember who said it now, but you need to keep looking for it. You need to keep looking for it. Here and now is temporal. Everything around us today is going to be burnt up. What we strive for will be burnt up. But the, the world that God has created for us enjoy, to enjoy is a snapshot of eternity. When we lose our love for the things of God, we accept the imitations of what we're not meant to see. We're not meant to see all the other rubbish in the world. We're meant to see the glory of God in everything we do. And it doesn't happen overnight. It's a, pro- a process, and it's little by little. We no longer see the pristine sand. It was a focus on other things. And let me tell you, if you don't think Satan's job is to draw your focus away from the wonders of God, the, the glories... What did I just say then? If you don't think Satan's job, that's what I said, is to draw your focus away from the wonders of God, then your thinking's wrong. Let me also tell you this. That Satan can't make you do anything. If you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ today, you already have the power. The victory's been won for you. He can't make you do one thing. You need to resist the devil. You need to focus on everything. A.W. Tozer, he said, I believe that entertainment and amusement are the works of the enemy to keep dying men from knowing they're dying 
and to keep the enemies of God remembering that they're enemies. The devil will always give you an alternative to the truth. Always. That's his job. He's a liar. He will give you an alternative of what the reality of God is. Danny Gook stood on this stage this month and said the same thing. God will give you a calling and the devil will give you a counteroffer. And it's always an attractive counteroffer. If we become distracted, we'll miss the wonder of what God has for our lives. And it affects you. But here's the thing. God gives you a calling in your life to affect other people. God doesn't give you a calling just for you. Your, glory, your calling is for other people. So if you allow the enemy to affect your calling in your life, it's going to affect what happens to other people's lives at all. We cannot become distracted. Don't allow fear and distractions to stand in the way of what God has ordered your life to be. Glenn was telling me a story. One day he decided to go for a walk one night. Now Glenn's got pretty bad feet, he'll, he'll admit to that. He's had us an often walk, so he felt like he wanted to go for a walk. And as he was walking around his neighbourhood in Mawson Lakes, he came across a driveway of the guy standing there having a beer. And Glenn, as Glenn would, said, G'day mate, how you going? And they got chatting and he stood there on the footpath of this bloke for ten minutes talking about life and the guy was telling a little bit about his life story and how he works in the mines and that sort of thing. Anyway, ten minutes went past and Glenn said, OK, it was great chatting to you, I'm off. As he was walking away, he thought, oh, I didn't tell him about Jesus. And he was just going to, oh, well, too late now, I've missed my chance. And then he said, the Holy Spirit said to him, turn around and talk to him. So as he turned around, he said, yeah, mate, he said, look, I'm really sorry. He said, can I pray for you? This bloke said, yeah, I'd like that. So Glenn walked over to this guy and he prayed for him. The guy told him a bit more of his story and Glenn led him to the Lord. That guy got saved on a footpath because Glyn didn't allow distractions to get in the way. Glyn didn't let fears and worries bother him. He was able to sit there and talk to this guy and tell him about Jesus. Now, we have no idea what happened to that guy's life. He might have gone back to the mines next week. He might have needed to tell somebody else about Jesus. The point of the matter was he wasn't distracted and he was born again there on the spot because Glyn listened to what God wanted to do. It's an amazing thing. And don't think that you're above getting it wrong. We all make mistakes. There are plenty, plenty of examples of getting it wrong, but God has a way of making it right. I mean, I think of Adam and Eve took their eyes off of God and focused on the fruit. They walked with God and they focused on the fruit and got tricked. Lot's wife was, had everything before her to go to, but she kept turning back and looking at the past and was turned into a pillar of salt. The Israelites walked around for 40 years grumbling and complaining because they took their eyes off of God and put their eyes on their own circumstances and missed what God had for them. Samson, of course, was gifted with great power from God and he took his eyes off of that and looked at Delilah and had the power taken from him and was held captive. And, of course, the disciples, they were worried and fearful in their circumstances. They took their eyes from God and abandoned and left Jesus. Don't beat yourself up if you miss it, but God always gives you a call because God made all those things right. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us see God in all situations, even when things aren't going well. It's not about the happy, happy joy club, that we love God when we're happy. We need to look at him in all situations. The Holy Spirit will help reveal God to us, but we need to ask. We need to be active in our pursuit when we're sad, when we're happy, and when we're lonely. I mean, the whole point of Launch Point was because God showed me that people come to church every Sunday and not expect anything. We walk into the doors 
on a Sunday morning and we expect to have three songs, announcements, a decent message, one song, go out the back, have a coffee and go home. We no longer expect anything from God. We just come to church because it's what we do. How bad is that? Do you know when I got saved, it wasn't like that. When lots of us got saved in the 90s, it wasn't like that. We walked into a church and we fully expected the Holy Spirit to do something incredible in church, to set lives free, to make people healed, to bring people into salvation. We expected it. And not only did we expect it, we received it. We saw it happen. And we don't see it anymore because we forget about the wonders of God. We expect what he's done. We forget what he's done in our lives. Another quote by A.W. Tozer is this one. I remind you that there are churches so completely out of the hands of God that if the Holy Spirit withdrew from them, they wouldn't find out for many months. What a sad truth. And it is the truth. It is the truth. We see it now that churches have become entertainment hubs. There's absolutely zero room for the Holy Spirit and for worship to happen because we're too interested in what we can do and make it better. I want more from church. I want so much more. I'm so sick of the show. I'm sick of complacency. I want to see a God turn up and destroy people's perceptions of how they see themselves. I want to see God come and show them what people, what God sees in them. I want to see lives changed. I don't want to see us remaining the same. We need to see the Holy Spirit do incredible things. Absolutely. You know, I... And this isn't about me, but you know I sometimes sit on footpaths and I talk to homeless people and the sadness you see in their eyes and it's because of how they see themselves. They feel worthless, they feel insignificant, they forget their worth, they feel judged. People just completely ignore them and I get the chance to sit them and tell them how wonderful they are and how wonderful God thinks they are. You know, they, what they've done is they've forgotten who they are they only see where they are. There's right now, there's a guy who sits in Gawler, at the front of a church in Gawler, and all day he sits on a wall and he looks across the road at Cole's shopping centre. And at night, he goes and he gets under the portico of that church and is asleep and he gets up in the morning and he sits down again and he looks at the, the Cole's supermarket. Day in, day out, that's his life. And I think someone needs to remind him of what God sees in him. Because there's more, because his wonder is focused on cause. He doesn't see all the beauty that's around him. You know, sadly, young people are the same. And I'm not talking about young people outside the church. I'm talking about young people in the church that don't see their worth. You know, recently I had a coffee with a young person, young girl, and we were talking about what she wants from life. And as she was talking, God showed me exactly how she felt about herself. And she said she, she, she feels like she's a square peg in a round hole. She feels weird. She feels unnoticed. She felt like she sits in a corner and is completely transparent and nobody sees her. She is the most beautiful girl. And this is how she feels about herself. And then God showed me exactly what he saw in her. That she was mighty, that she was strong, that she was powerful. That her weirdness would make an absolute difference in the world and that he sees her. And I got the opportunity to tell her that. It broke her down. She got to hear the love of God. You see, what she has forgotten was she was fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalm 139, fearfully and wonderfully made. Young people, you need to hear this. It's such a hard thing in your generation with 
all the rubbish you see on your phone about body image and who you are and what you need to look like and what you need to sound like. God knew you before you were created in your mum's womb and you were fearfully and wonderfully made. You are perfection and it's already there. You don't need to strive for it. Young people, don't worry, us oldies get it wrong too. We strive, don't we? We look for the next thing. We look for that setting up our lives to make sure that we're comfortable when it's already been done on the cross for us. We get so caught up by what's happening. Now, there is nothing wrong with being successful. There is nothing wrong with having a nest egg. But that becomes your focus. Then that's when it becomes a problem. When we get to heaven, I guarantee you, we will not hear God say, well done for the awesome portfolio you set up for yourself. (laughs) He's not going to say that. But what we want to hear, of course, is, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter in. Make our lives count. Make our lives count. We need to invite the Holy Spirit back to remind us of the wonders of God, the greatness of God, and the majesty of God. I just want to do something a little bit different today. But I want us to clear our minds. Every single one of us, without question, has things in our lives that hold us back, that distract us, that cause us to forget how good God is. And I'm going to read to you what the Bible says about God and about what heaven's going to look like, and which is what we've all got to look forward to as a born-again believer. I want you to remember the majesty and wonder of the God that we serve. So I don't mind if you close your eyes, you can do what you like, but here we go. Revelation 21, it says, And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like the most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates, and at the gates, 12 angels, and on the gates, the names of 12 tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed on the east, three gates, on the north, three gates, and the south, three gates, and the west, three gates, and the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The wall was built of jasper, while the city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, and each of the gates made a single pearl of a single pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. Try and get your head around that is our destiny. But then it tells us what God looks like. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with golden sash around his chest. The hairs on his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like that of the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and from his mouth came a sharp, two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun, shining in full strength. Can you actually get your head around that? That the God we serve, that the God who knew us, before we were formed in our mother's womb, looks like that and has prepared a place like it. It is beyond belief to get our head around that. 
And I can't, do, I can't think of a bloke who's going to be standing before me with a sword coming out of his mouth and face like the sun. I, I, my brain doesn't work that way. But when I look at things like that, that sort of thing I can see. That's the reason why God has created a beauty and a wonder that we can understand because we can see him in everything. Steve Harvey is a game show host. And he said, if you wake up in the morning and you're not looking forward to your day, if you're dreading what's coming before you, if you're feeling worthless and self, got no self-worth and you feel like you're just not worth going on, he said, you need to change your focus. He said, he doesn't even know you, but he could tell you 50 things you should be thankful for, like you woke up, like you're breathing, you got out of a bed, you got a house over your head, you got a car, you got friends, you got people you know, you got food on the table, you may not have it tomorrow, but you have it today. You need to be thankful for everything. And as a Christian, if you're waking up in the morning thinking, what is the point of this? Then you need to shift your focus. You need to find that point of the worth. You need to get out of your house. And I guarantee you, go and stand 15 minutes in your front yard or your backyard, sit under a tree, listen to the birds, feel the wind on your skin, and be thankful that you woke up and you be thankful that you have a loving God all around you. Look around, find your wonder again, allow yourself to be overwhelmed again, find your love for him again. It's really important. If God puts so much detail into the creation, what makes you think your life is any less important? If you want to live a life that he ordered for you, go out and find your wonder in him again, because it's all around us. You've been listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you want more information about who we are, visit us at hopecentral.org.au or join us for Sunday worship at any of our three campuses.